watching the scriptures scroll through. Those are the ones we've been looking at throughout this winter and now moving into springtime. We've got two left. We've got this week and next week. Um, both of them are up there. John 10, 10, that's the one we look at next week. It is one of the most searched scriptures in 2022 and the first quarter of this year in 2023. John 10, 10 just talks about how Jesus came to give us abundant life and how the forces around us want to steal that life away from us. They want to steal our joy. They want to steal our life away from us. But Jesus comes as a good shepherd using that analogy about how he'll lay down his life for us so that we may have salvation. We're going to do that one next week, and that'll begin and take us into the first part of Easter. We've got a great Easter season. Um, it's exciting. I've had several people stop me this morning before the service and tell me they drove out to the pavilion this week. They they located it. They didn't want to get lost at seven o'clock um, in the morning, and I understand that. The good part is we'll be about the only lights that are on at seven o'clock in the morning out there. You want to enter into the property from the Quinn side. So come into Tomball, come into Main Street, come like you would probably come down here, but turn on Quinn, go up Quinn, you'll see the fire department, you'll see our pavilion. Sunrise service, as Josh said, will be out in the field, uh, a little more rustic than, than normal, and then we'll come back up to the pavilion, 11 o'clock service there. It's a good thing they went to find out where it's at. If you come here Easter Sunday morning, it'll be vacant. Hopefully there'll be a banner or something out front for anybody that just doesn't get the message, but we're putting it on all of our social media. It's going out in emails. We're going to remind you verbally every Sunday between now and then. Everything will be relocated out onto the new property. We'll celebrate that. There is a slight chance we may close on this property before Easter. Um, I don't have an actual date yet from the title company, but it's getting real close. Things are moving ahead, progressing ahead as well. So a lot of exciting things going on. This morning, we're gonna go to Isaiah chapter 41, and Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, is the most searched scripture in 2022. This one verse was searched more than any other Bible verse. It was looked up, it was read more than any other Bible verse through actually multiple. We originally started with Version, which is the Bible app we use here in our church, and you can go there. You can find the notes this morning if you want to look along with them. We looked at it there as well as researched it in a number of other organizations that are tracking popular and trending verses um, in Every venue and every in every source, Isaiah forty one, verse ten, was the top search scripture, which makes sense if you look at just that one verse. What a huge encouragement God is speaking to His people. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Amazing words. This is God personally speaking to his people. And because it's God and his eternal nature, it is just as valid to us today as it was in 600 BC. It is just as real. It's just as appropriate. It is just as much on target for every single one of us here in the worship center, online with us, everybody going through different events, different circumstances, many enjoying spring break. Did you guys have a good spring break? 
It's not quite over. I think you have one day left tomorrow, right? The teacher is saying, yes, one more day, one more day. We discussed it during pre-service. We think teachers probably enjoy spring break even more than kids, definitely more than parents. That's a discussion for another day. I am with you, he says. I, I am there. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be concerned. You don't need to be anxious. I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. We, we know this in the physical realm. We, we know what it means to experience this. We, we know what it means to be weak or to be injured or, or to be lacking the strength to accomplish a task and have someone come alongside us and help us. You just, you just can't quite lift it or you just can't quite move it. And then somebody comes up to you and it, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a brother, maybe it's a dad, maybe, maybe it's your mom. But you, you get that help. We, we know what that feels like to be, to be strengthened and have that. We know what it feels like to be helped. We, we know what it means to struggle and, and in that struggling, finding someone who is able to give clarity or to give assistance or give comfort. It, it amazes me. I, in many ways, I wish I had lived in this generation. That sounded weird just as soon as I said it. I, I am still alive. Some may question it, but I am still alive. But things are so different. When I, when I was in high school, like our students, when I was in high school, there is no way on earth that I ever would admit to somebody I needed help. You just didn't do that. They offered tutors. They offered people who would assist. They offered study groups. But it was some kind of built into the culture of my teenage years, generational thing. No, you don't ever admit that you need help. And back after school study groups back then, that was considered a form of detention, whether you deserved detention or not. You just didn't do it. I've watched my daughter, who is a career teacher, now professor, and I've watched her both with high school students and I've watched her with college students as they struggle with their calculus. I don't even struggle with calculus. I struggle with algebra. <laughs> I definitely never made it to calculus. I listen to her videos online and it's like listening to a foreign language. I have no clue what she's talking about. But her students are so impressive. So if any of her students to, um, at the college or previous students in high school are listening, I am so impressed with the students because they reach out to her all the time. She will put as many hours in outside of class tutoring as she does in class. They, they want to know, they want to understand, and they don't mind saying, I need help. They're not stubborn and obstinate like I am. They're, they're not prideful. They, they just simply say, I don't understand this. There's a test coming up. I need to do better on this test. And they will reach out to her. And sometimes multiple students will spend extra time learning to understand. They're not afraid to say, I need help. And she's not afraid to say as a professor, I will help you. 
And how limited that is. And many of us have had experiences like that where we needed help. Somebody had to help us, assist us. But now here is God. And that's what, we, that's what we're going to try to comprehend today in these few minutes is here is God saying, I will help you. I mean, is it something I don't understand? Is it something that doesn't make sense to me? That doesn't matter because Almighty God is going to assist and help me. I feel like somebody's behind me. So, I need help. Concealed carry people. Move to the front. No, I'm kidding. I will help you, he says. And when we think about that, and you can start to see why this verse meant so much to so many people. I will hold on to you. You know, I think I, I tend to go back a lot to my childhood when it comes to these types of things. And I remember rock climbing with my dad and that sensation um, when you're on the side of a cliff, particularly if you're getting ready to repel, which is to descend, and you are to lean back. You're supposed to put all, move all the center of gravity back away from the rock so the pressure's up against the rock. And I can remember my dad saying, you're on rope. You're going to be okay. I'm, I'm holding it. I'm not going to let you go. I remember that physical sensation as a kid. And now here is God saying, you're going to be okay. You're uncomfortable. It's frightening. But I'm holding the rope. I've, I've got you. How many times have many of us done this? You just, you're having a moment. And things are a little uncomfortable. Things may feel a little insecure. You're not absolutely and completely, totally assured of that situation. And, and you reach over and you just hold the hand of someone you love. I don't know how many times I do that. We'll be watching a movie or something and I just reach over and I hold Carrie's hand. Just touch it. That's where, you know, honestly, pets are so great. How many times have I, have I done that with one of the dogs? And just, I'm, I'm sitting in a stand, I'm in a blind, it's early in the morning, for whatever reason, I just reach over, put my hand on her head. This, I'm talking about the dog now, not Carrie. <laughs> Just make sure, make sure you, I know it's spring break weekend, so I, I realize, you know, we may not be totally in-depth today, and some of you have already come from Bible study, so you've already had an in-depth Bible study this morning. I just reach over, put my hand on the dog's head, and it just feels good. I mean, we got, we got a group of ladies in our church. They have a, they have a group called Pins and Needles. They make quilts. Um, they make them all the time for the pregnancy center here in Tomball that our church partners with and helps with. And they generously give their time and the material and all the scraps. They've got a project going on right now where they're making quilts or some other thing for somebody. They told me I should remember, but I don't remember uh, exactly what it is. And this morning, one of the leaders of that group came up and was talking to Pastor Cody and me. And as we were talking, they pulled out a doll that they had made. And she instinctively just absorbed that doll and wrapped it up into her arms. And while she's grasping it as if her life depends on that doll, she's telling me about another lady in the group who held on to it and wouldn't let go. These are grown ladies, by the way. <laughs> just something about the motion of holding it close helps. It brings a sense of comfort. And now here's God saying, I will hold Unto you. I will, in the, in the figure of speech, gives the, the, the physical impression of God literally taking our hand and holding on to His with such immense strength 
then nothing can go wrong. I remember that as a kid growing up. My grandparents lived in Missouri and, and I spent my summers with them and I would go back there and spend multiple weeks with them and enjoy it. And my grandfather, he was a huge guy. I mean, he died when I was pretty young, so I, I don't know how much that is. I don't know that if I profiled and stood next to him that I would think he's as huge today. But I'm telling you, at 10, 11, 12, before that, after that, he seemed huge. He had monstrous hands. And I would just touch those hands. And I felt safe. The difficulty of this, the difficulty of this passage of scripture is you, you can't really do that with God. Yeah, I, can't, I can't ask you to reach over and physically touch and have the physical sensation of holding God's hand. But what faith allows us to understand is it's just as real. He just as strongly and massively holds on to us with his righteous right hand. No offense against left-handed people, but in scripture, the right hand is a position of power and strength. That's what he's holding on to. All of his strength, all of his character, all of who he is, is wrapped up in a love so intimate and so compassionate that he'll hold on to us. So you, you get the drift. I think it's pretty easy. It's pretty upfront. You can understand why so many millions of people searched the internet last year and the first part of this year looking for this verse. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. But here's one really cool thing I want us to look at before we, before we close this book and move towards next week and Easter is the context is so 2023. When we've kind of been unmoored, kind of unanchored, we're, we're a, a bit adrift as a nation, especially Western civilization. We're a bit adrift. I would say globally, but it's definitely Western civilization is a little bit adrift. And we're not sure where we go for strength. We're not sure where we get clarity. We're not sure who's going to respond and who's going to help us. We're, we have so many question marks. And the context describes that environment. God describes this moment where fear is inevitable, if not overwhelming. And back up in your Bibles, back up to verse 5 and begin to catch the comparison between culture and God. Verse five, God speaks and says, the coast and islands see and are afraid. They're dealing with military conflict, they're dealing with warfare, they're dealing with exile. Um, they have a number of things happening as a nation. The coast and the islands see and are afraid. The whole earth trembles. They approach, referring to the enemies, and they arrive. Then in verse six, each one helps the other and says to another, take courage. Now initially, that feels like Sunday morning to me. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I admit it's a goal in my teaching and it's a goal in our teaching team 
to give strength, to give encouragement, to give hope, to give insight so that tomorrow can be less of an obstacle and more of an anticipation so that, that tomorrow isn't to be dreaded, but it is to, to actually be looking forward to because you were going to see what God wants to do this week. But in verse five and in verse six where he says, each says to one another, take courage, what he's about to prove to us is that if that is only a conversation between ourselves, it is at best superficial. Because they are turning to themselves and they are expressing superficial platitudes, superficial comments, superficial messages that don't actually have the power or the ability to help. And again, we're talking a lot about feelings today. How many of us have felt that? How, how many of us have been in some set of circumstances, probably this past week, maybe even this weekend, when somebody spoke something to us, we turned to them as a friend or we turned to them even as family members. We, we turned to social media to see what other people were saying about it and what's, what's trending in terms of popular comments. And somebody says to us, take courage, but we know deep in our hearts that it's superficial that it's, a, it's an attempt to bolster our situation. It's an it's attempt to build ourselves up. And the greater and the more we attempt to build ourselves up out of our own words, out of our own encouragements, out of, out of our own strength, the more it begins to feel and sound hollow because it's not enough. The disease I fight is not just enough to take courage. It's not just to hang some positive statement on a plaque in a room somewhere. It, it just falls short. And that becomes clearer in the next verse. So it's not totally clear there because there is value in encouraging. And scripture teaches us as children of God, as people of God, he actually calls us priests and saints. As, as the people of God, we are challenged. We are, we are commissioned. We are sent to encourage one another. Scripture teaches that over and over and over again, and we attempt to live that as a church, and that's a valuable thing, and we should. But to do it without substance isn't going to help someone. So verse seven, he further explains it. The craftsman encourages the metal worker. The one who flattens with the hammer encourages the one who strikes the anvil. So the picture here is like of an iron factory or of a, of, of a, of a metal works that is sculpting something, creating something. These individuals encourage one another. They, they continue to say to one another, hey, look, this soldering, this project, it looks good. Here's the, here's the catch, though. He, referring to whoever the last craftsman in this process, he fastens it with nails so that it will not fall over. Now let me just catch you up real quick on the history of part of Israel and their worship patterns in the past, especially when they lost track of God. They turned to idols, they turned to icons, they turned to things that they could worship, that they could create and they could control. And those things are so false, like the superficial platitudes, these incompetent icons aren't going to help. And so after all the sculpting, after all of the hard work with the metal, creating the metal, standing in the heat, 
bringing it together, solidifying it, and then taking it on the anvil and pressing it and bending it and sculpting it, all of that work in the moment when it's concluded, it has to be nailed to the wall because it's going to fall down. It cannot even stand on its own power. That sounds like just about everything you read in the news this week or saw on TV or read in your chats and in your, in your news feeds. Superficial answers that are so incompetent they can't actually even accomplish standing up on their own. It's the things we turn to. It's the conversations we turn to. It's the things that we think will help us. It's the idols. It's the things that we worship instead of connecting with God. And these secular solutions actually in reality don't alleviate fear, but create fear. And then that's the context where God speaks to the people then, speaks to us today, and reminds them, when you turn to me, there is a deep and devoted relationship Verse eight, but you, Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of God at that time, my servant, my servant Jacob, you belong. You're a part of something whom I have chosen. You were picked. You are desired. Descendant of Abraham, who was my friend. That word literally translates my beloved, somebody I loved and I cared for. And this is God speaking to them. This is how much you mean to me. I brought you, verse 9, I, I brought you from the ends of the earth. I called you from its farthest corners, from the, from the most distant places you could have gone. I gathered you and brought you back. And I said to you, you are my servant. Not meant in a, in a sense of, of some kind of subordinate position um, it captured and unable to be free. Just the opposite, a relationship so meaningful and so purposeful that it gives your life drive and motivation and relationship. My servant, I've chosen you. I haven't rejected you. That's, that's a big one right there. I haven't rejected you. Just the opposite. I clearly love you, God says. And because I clearly love you, guess what? Everything that happens in verse 10 happens to us. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. It doesn't matter who you are. As we close out a service, we're going to go to lunch, we're going to go back to our families, or we're going to prepare for work. Some will go to work this afternoon, some are on live streams and they're at work and they're watching right now and they've got to immediately go back to work. We're going to face any number of things as soon as this is over with. One more song as our band comes, one more song and we're going home. Please capture what God's trying to say to us. Everything the world has to offer is going to let you down. It's going to fall like a piece of junk off your shelf. Everything God has to offer us is as intimate and as close as it possibly can be. He loves us deeply. And he wants to help us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to hold on to us. He wants to bring these truths, these real legitimate promises to bear upon our lives. So that whatever you're facing tomorrow, 
You're going back to school Tuesday. God wants to be there with you. You're dealing with an illness in your own life and you've got doctor's appointments this week. God wants to be there with you. You're dealing with financial struggles. You're like many of us. You're going to take some time the next couple of weeks to deal with your taxes. God's going to be right there with you. It doesn't matter what we're facing. The constant in this picture in Isaiah 41 is that God will be there with us. I don't have any idea what your week looks like. You don't have any idea what my week looks like. But what I do know and I am absolutely certain of, God is going to be there with us. Memorize the last part of verse 9. I have not rejected you. Everybody else can. But God never will. He created you because he wanted to know you and be with you. Even when we sin and we hurt the relationship, he continues to offer reconciliation and forgiveness and salvation. And all he's asking for you to do, for me to do, is just trust him. He will be there. He will be with us.